Hey there, everybody. It's Richard Harrison Scott Lees with another fun and exciting episode of the Servant Sales Podcast with our good friend, the outbound sales guy, Martin MacArthur. Martin, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm really happy to be here and uh, part of the, this uh, excellent uh, podcast. It's been it's been a long, tro- treacherous journey to get you here based on mutual rescheduling. I think we started this in, I don't know, May, <laughs> and here we are in October, so we appreciate your patience. Um, uh, it's all good. It's all good. There's quick shout out, obviously, uh, to, our, to our sponsors of Lead 411 uh, with you know, the direct dial phone numbers that people are looking for today in a, in a COVID pandemic world. And even when COVID's over, you're still going to want direct dials. Find them, one of our new HR sponsors who really is a recruitment sponsor more than HR, where you can actually find the best A and B players, particularly the A players and those who are not in the active job market. Maybe they're already working somewhere. So check out and find them. We really, really appreciate their support. Gong is always is supporting us. And then Perception Predict, this is a really cool, another uh, recruitment and sales team specialist um, platform that allows you to predict accurately how well a particular person is going to hit their goal, right? And so in addition to what's in the pipeline is what is within the makeup of that individual to help them achieve their, their numbers and targets, which I think a lot of people like. And then it also allows you to start coaching to improvement. So it's not just about trying to, to benchmark people, but also where you can focus. So. Thanks to our sponsors, and, and now back to the show. Martin, just for people who don't know you, and I know you're pretty active on LinkedIn, um, but, but tell people what you do. Like, you know, you're the outbound sales guy. It sends a certain message, but explain to them so they understand the context of the answers you're going to bring through this conversation today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I've spent the last 12 years, give or take, helping uh, technology and software as a service companies really uh, fill the the top of the funnel with um, you know opening the doors and setting up meetings with their uh, account executives sales reps in the last couple of years I've ha- had the good fortune of being a part of a couple of uh, really awesome outbound sales agencies um, helping um, you know, a lot of venture back and um, series funded companies scale and, and, and build out a, an outbound sales engine. And back in August, I was kind of figuring out, you know, in between roles, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? So I decided to uh, start my own outbound sales agency to help sales leaders, um, you know, in that same realm of uh, pre-seed to series A funded, really build and scale a, uh, Predictable, repeatable, scalable outbound sales engine. And so just so I want to make sure, so you started that in August? Correct, yes. So in the middle of a pandemic, you decided to go out on your own. Yep. That's awesome. Congratulations, dude. Like That is not an easy task. How has that been? Scar- um, scary as hell. <laughs> what's scary about it? Tell, I think that's the part, you know, people, you know, I, I had this conversation with Scott and for years before you know, it's his one year anniversary this month of being on his own. I'm like, Scott, what are you doing? You need to go, you know, go do this. I know you can do it. And, and there was, you know, Scott's got a family and kids and mortgages. So I, I can appreciate that, but it's just emotionally scary too. What got you over the hump of that emotional scariness to try this? I'm a, I'm a huge believer and champion of you have to step outside of your comfort zone. And, um, 
this was something that that's been brewing kind of for a while and it was just finally something either take the plunge and do it now or you're never going to do it so that that was part of it and then the, the other part of it was that um I, I come from a family of business owners my my parents were small business owners um all my life and uh so far and they you know they kind of gave me that that motivation of you know growing up watching them listening to them run a business and, and the challenges that they face so you know leaning on their experience and, and my my dad's wisdom within business and then also surrounding myself with some really positive influences to help me navigate some of those challenges that um you, you alluded to right it's like that because we all know this is a scary time it, it, it's scary time and you know I'm, I'm going out there and I have to go earn my own paycheck now. It's not going to be so, yeah, I wanna, know, coming I wanna, in at the end of the month. Yeah, I want to I jump in a little bit more. So, And I yeah. think this is really important is that as, as family members, right, as parents um, or having parents, we do learn so much from them, right? Um, regardless, you know, my parents were both in sales, so it sort of was naturally discussed, um, but not small business owners. You know, and I, I can't even imagine what, what kind of business is or, or was your family in in terms of small business? Yeah, they um, for the majority of, of uh, my childhood and, and teenage and young adult life, they own their own uh, grocery store. So they bought a, uh, a franchise, uh, something. So I, I'm in Canada. So in the States, it'd be something similar to like a Kroger, um, something along that line. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they own their own franchise in, uh, north of Toronto, which is a heat, you know, pretty large city in Ontario, Canada. Right. Um, and I think they had about roughly around a hundred, between a hundred and 200 employees between part and full time. Right. Right. Um, so, what kind so of there's, a, there's a lot of challenges with that. Yeah. And, and again, just cause I think it's important for people to go back to their own childhood whether it's your parents or friends or, or mentors or whatever, do you remember what kind of stories you heard them talking about as they were running their business, whether it was the good times or the bad times? Uh, yeah. Um, so in terms of, of challenges, you know, just the, the employee challenges of um, managing labor costs and, and motivating employees because you're dealing with, um, you know, part-time students, you're dealing with full-time uh, employees so there's always challenges of, of people being reliable and dependable and then there is uh, you know vendor negotiating with vendors the challenges that came with and then uh, near the end when they sold their franchise that the challenges or you know maybe not necessarily challenges but that process of going from okay we're doing well now we're, we're going to exit and what that process uh, entailed and, and looked like yeah, so it, it's interesting because you get the, you know, this is the stuff you don't learn in a book, right? This exactly. You don't necessarily hear about in college or universities, right? So it, it's interesting to me how that exposure, um, when it's available to, to people, does motivate them. Because I, I feel like I had the same types of conversations. I, different because we didn't own a franchise, but just those business conversations are so important. 
but it, it, it still gives you the, the context of, um, like you're saying, the, the, the things that you do not get exposed to in uh, when you go and, and get an education through uh, a college university, right? Like the, the, the different aspects of business that, you know, basically you're just, you're being exposed to from either secondhand knowledge or doing. Yep. Martin, I want to know what your sales process is. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm reviewing your, uh, you know, background right now. So what is your philosophy right now on sales? What is the, the outbound process that you feel, um, you know, works best these days? Yeah, I, I think the, the process that works best is, Really, the really the the problem-centric type selling. So, kind of kind of the the gap selling that Keenan talks about, but not all that like not all the way to the extent that he he promotes. Because I think uh, listening to some of those those calls that he puts on LinkedIn, a lot of people get lost in the questions and they ask far too many questions and, and not the right questions. So I think you get a, you know, using a problem centric model to really dig in and, and figure out, okay, so what are you doing today in terms of, of pipeline development? Like walk me through those steps because some people, they just, well, we're booking leads. We're, we're, you know, and they think, okay, we're going to get a hundred leads. Okay. That's great. But how are you doing that? Like, take me through that process. What, what are the, the challenges in the bottlenecks? Because we all know it's, it's a challenging role and a lot of people hate it and they, they look at it as, as grunt work. And um, it, it simply is not grunt work. It, it's vital to any, organization's lifeblood and that's why I think you know you got to understand some of the, the problems and challenges that a company's facing today is it is there a particular ratio or number of questions I mean I heard you say that people get lost yep. in the question asking like or is it just all about is it all about feel and, and completely it, dependent on each situation dependent on each situation and, and feel and you know I'm, I'm I try and, and perform some due diligence before the call, right, with the prospect. But I want to have a I, – I, I feel you learn more by having a natural conversation with someone, you know, kind of like we're doing today, right? Like, no, don't script it. Don't uh, have all these pre-templated questions to some, some degree, right? You still need to have certain questions addressed but um i think if you can have a natural conversation that's built on curiosity and, and be inquisitive that's when you'll start to really get to understand who the, the person that you're dealing with and hey is this someone i want to work with is this a, a good prospect to, to move forward into a um, opportunity because they're going to give me X amount of dollars every month. 
So like it's it's gotta it's gotta be the right fit. And um, I'll be quite honest with you, like as I've document documented on LinkedIn, I had a a client that I got right out of the gate, which I felt really great about. I thought that was an awesome validation that I'm on the right track, right? Of of going out on my own. I was able to secure a client, but I made some mistakes. And that those mistakes resulted in that client saying, I don't want to work with you anymore. Can you sh- can you share what you know maybe one or one of those mistakes was for other people? Yep. So you yep. know yep. to help some of us avoid those mistakes? Definitely. So the the mistakes that were made were on on um data you know not not asking the right questions around exactly who they're looking for in terms of a ideal customer so it, it ended up resulting in, in researching and reaching out to the wrong people which the, the prospect or the the client rather was upset about um also there are some um issues around expectations uh, that weren't defined. So, um, you know, that there, there were a couple of situations where uh, the, the tone of the conversation got a little, I wouldn't say aggressive, but it, it just, it kind of fell a little demeaning almost. Um, maybe, maybe not demeaning, but, but they, it wasn't a give and take relationship. It was more, yeah. this is what I want. And this is, you know, you know, you're not delivering it kind of relationship. And, and I should have, I think I should have been a little more clear from the get go on, you know, these are the expectations for both of us. So yeah. um, one of the, one of the beautiful things now about running your own business is that you get to choose who you work with. Right. And so having that experience now, I'm sure will make you more careful about who you decide to move forward with, you know, in the future, try to avoid some of those situations, Um, which brings me, I want to ask you a difficult question and I hope you don't mind me kind of going there. So I I, I hope you ask it. If it's a question I'm thinking you're going to ask. Yeah. So I've I've been looking at your background and, and whatnot, right? And there's a, there's a lot of short stints there. And and so what I want to know is like, that's not the one, that's not the question I think you're going (laughs) to (laughs) ask. Maybe Richard will ask that one. But so so I want to know like, what, what, what do you think the root cause of, of that is like, what are, what are so many sales organizations struggling to provide that, um, you know, causes salespeople like you to, you know, have to jump every couple months, every five, six months for, for a couple years. Like what's going on there? Or, you know, are you, have you taken the mirror and turned it on yourself and just been like, yeah, I was a terrible employee. And like, this is why I'm running my own business now. I'm curious what the, what the dynamic is there. It's twofold. So the first part it's that the re- I, I believe the re- reason why 
the average tenure of a SDR sales development rep or salesperson in general is so short is because management or leadership for the most part, and there's starting to be a bit of a shift, is still stuck with high volume, right? Like you've got to make 250 dials a day. You got to send out 200 emails a day. You got to connect with 300 people on LinkedIn because, you know, it's just simply a numbers game. That like that's their mentality, which leads to burnout and frustration prospects being annoyed with terrible messaging and everything else. So I think that's part of the, the problem. And uh, I, I think we're noticing a shift, especially now that, um, you know, with the innovation of, of so many companies having young leadership executives, you know, they're, they're adopting a different leadership style. As for, my personal experience, looking back, in some of those situations, I was a shitty employee. I was young, I was immature, impatient. I wanted more, thought I could get more. Took some wrong opportunities. Dude, that's that's no different than anybody else, I think, right? Like, in all fairness to you, Martin, like, yeah, I was a shitty employee, right? Like, it's one of the reasons I hung, you know, I my joke has always been, well, at some point in my career, I just realized that I don't play well in the sandbox with other kids. I've had people say, you know, why don't you come and work for me? Why don't you do more? And I'm like, yeah, cause you don't want to deal with me. You're not going to like it when I call you out on things that I disagree with, cause I'm not going to be nice about it. I'm going to go straight before the jugular and tell you why it's wrong. So you don't want to hire someone like me. And, and, and my personality is, um, I've, gain a lot of self-confidence over the years and, and I don't always say the right thing and I'm okay with that. So uh, sometimes in an office setting, leadership doesn't like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, I can be very abrupt. I can be, uh, you know, very sarcastic, very cheeky, but that's my personality. And, I don't apologize for it, good or bad. As long as you're not doing anything, saying any inappropriate things, right? Like I, I exactly, agree. exactly. I like I, I, I know, I know there's a line, and I don't cross that line, but I, I'll go to the line. Oh, I'll go to the line. I'll probably cross the line. Scott, did I ever cross the line when I worked for you? Do you remember? I don't really. I didn't really have a line. <laughs> I, just, I don't know if Scott has a line. <laughs> <laughs> that, but but to, but to Scott's point, like as jokey as that is, that's good leadership, right? Is to kind of recognize that Scott can take it and can understand the value of feedback, right? Right, and good, bad, or otherwise, and that to me is really good leadership. Now you can't walk into the office and say you're making a you know a stupid effing mistake. Like I get that, yeah. um, but you can be passionate about your disagreements. And oftentimes I hear leadership saying, oh, yeah, I want to hear the truth. I want to hear the truth until the truth is about them as the leader. Yeah. Right. And, 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 so. and, I, and I, I say this a lot, you know, in my personal circle. We've become such an insensitive society, I think. Like you say the – and I don't I, – how I mean that is that 
everything is blown out of proportion. So if you do happen to make a slight error in judgment, then you, you, you're ridicu ridiculed for that. And it's like, well, you know, people used to be a little more, you know, have a little more thicker skin than, I think, than they do right now. So I think maybe it's not that people, I don't think insensitive is maybe the right <clears throat> word. I think that people are much more unforgiving. Now. Yes. Yes. Uh, I would agree with you on that. And, and, and that's the, that's the tough part, right? Because you make a misstep or you misspeak and that lives forever now, right? Yep. Like we were, I was having this conversation the other day um, with some parents on uh, my son's baseball team. And, you know, we were just talking about like technology and like, you know, everything's on cameras and video now and like growing up and how hard and stressful that, that must be. Um, and that's real for those of us in the workforce, you know, as, as well, like you exactly. go on some podcast, you go on some show, you do some training, you manage a particular employee, you have a sales call that goes south on you. Um, you gotta, you, you gotta be real careful. And, and we don't give much leeway to allow people to make a mistake and, and then learn from it and coach them up once the mistake happens, we seem to be ready to vilify and crucify somebody. Exactly. Uh, and that, and that, and that's tough. That's tough. Exactly. And when you put it in the perspective of a salesperson who has a, a very short limited window to be successful or not, and they make that slight mistake that they find themselves either out of a job or having to go look for another job because they don't feel that same security and, and safety that they used to. So sh shifting, what are you, what are you seeing when it gets super tactical as you go in and you measure things, right? Are you teaching, are you building the system for the company? Or are you actually coming in and coaching the reps? I'm building the, the system for the company and then executing that process to go out. So you're, you are, in effect, you are the SDR team. Correct. Got That's it. correct, yes. And so when you focus on these things and you understand it, what are you seeing as the – and again, you know, it's obviously vertical-related and industry-related and persona-related – you know, what are the things you're seeing? Like, what are you, that are working, right? And, and equally important, what used to work, but isn't working, right? Because I'm hearing everybody complain about phone numbers and cold calling, which, you know, they've been complaining about that forever. And they'll continue. Right. What are the tactics that you've been able to employ, you know, that you see are working to get people's attention and or LinkedIn and or email? Like, I'd love to just get tactical for people. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, so I'll start with the phone. The phone still works. People have to measure their expectations accordingly though. And it starts with accurate data. And that's part of the problems that, especially right now. Yeah, but I, I get the data part. Like that's yeah. easy. When someone yeah. picks up the phone, what's working? 
what's working is is you know having a very quick message and not you know having these long ass winded scripted things um, people just want they want to know why you're reaching out to them so you need to be very crystal clear on that aspect um, secondly warming up your call so starting by connecting with your prospect prospect on LinkedIn and sending them either a voice or video message through LinkedIn. That seems to be warming up a lot of conversations for me. So what do you say in that LinkedIn message? Like, like again, I'm just trying to give people something. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So, so when I send out an invite to a, a co-founder or a head of sales, sales leader, uh, first of all, I'm making sure that this is a company that I'm, I want to do business with, right? So yeah, but taking, get, get taking past business. all that, Martin. Martin, what do you say? You're going to email Richard. Yep. I'm your ideal person. I'm. Yeah. So hey, 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 Richard. Uh, I, I'm. You got me on the spot now. <laughs> that's the point. That's, that's I know. I know. I know. No. I know. So, I lo- I'm. So I'll send them an invite that says, "I'm loving what you're doing, and I'd love to hear more about your sales goals." So it puts the, you know, it's about them, right? So, mm-hmm. hey, I want to hear more about you. Mm-hmm. And, and people love that, right? And this is why. Mm-hmm. I work with sales leaders to help them book qualified sales meetings each month without having to invest in paid ads, purchase expensive software, or make over 100 cold calls a day. Open to learning. Pause, pause right there. This is good, right? So, and you're saying this, and I'm like, if the data is telling you this is working because there's this belief system in the ecos in, in the world right now, but that is your invitation on LinkedIn. Yep. So you're pitching on LinkedIn on the first. Yep. And this morning I've had five responses with one meeting that that's in the process of being confirmed and and of the other what's interesting is this is the opposite of what people would tell you yes that's the whole point yeah this is why i'm so excited about this um so you test but now but now it's going to get oversaturated and it's not going to (laughs) work but but you're going like every just like every other tactic that (laughs) works for a particular dude it's been oversaturated for years oh definitely and i think i think what's important in the way you're doing it is you are making it about them first yep. and then you're pointing to the pain that you solve, right? Yep. You're, you're talking about, look, you don't have to do this and you don't have to do this. It's expensive. We know. Yep. So I've got an idea to help you. And if you've done your research, right? And you're like, okay, I need series A people, right? And I need a head of sales. And the cool thing is, is as you know, heads of sales are a little bit easier to pitch to, I think for us than, you know, marketing leaders and other people, but maybe. And, and, I, and I'm not doing it to like 300 people a day. It's, it's limited, right? So it's very, very specific, mm-hmm. which goes back to what I mentioned earlier. You're not doing the, the mass approach where it's like, boom, 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 boom. And someone's going to say, go away. That's automated because it's, it's not automated. Yep. And so I think that's the beautiful piece is that you are, you're going against the grain, you've tested it, you've proven it, you know, of the, just out of curiosity, of the four responses, 
how many of those are, hey, Martin, thanks, but no thanks? And how many are, you know, F you, Martin, I can't believe you're doing this? No, none of the second message at all. Okay. Great. And, and they've all have accepted my invite. So now what I'll do, so I, I've, I've already followed up and um, from earlier in the week, right? So I'll do it two days later. If I haven't received any kind of response after they've accepted, I'll send them a quick voice note asking them for the, you know, say, thanks for connecting with me. Um, wanted to try and find a time for a brief call to learn more about your sales call, your sales goals, and how I might be able to support you. So, so, so the first thing is the LinkedIn message. If they respond, well, if they don't respond, do you also leave that message, or you only yeah. leave that voicemail if they respond? No. So, so if they accept but they don't respond, then a, two days later I'll send them that that voice note. Got and then, that, then they'll respond with. Now, now let me ask you this. So this is how you pitch you. Yep. If you go and pitch some other service, right? You're, you're working for a client. Correct. You use the exact same philosophy, but you, you hone in on the people. You hone in on the pain that they're yep. feeling and do the exact same thing. S same, same structure, but yeah, they're, they're messaging to their ICP. Got it. So I'm, I'm blown away by this because this is against the grain of everything I see. Granted, the messages I get, and I get at least 10 a day right now, um, aren't there, right? Like they're not quite as good as you're telling me. And so this is really fascinating. I, I hope people are like, this is like the, one of the best tactics I've heard. Um, and, and, and I've been doing this for a year now. So I was doing it when I was at the sales developers. Mm-hmm to uh, grow my book of business there. And I've, I've been using it for myself now as the outbound sales guy. Yeah, that's great. I, I'm, thank you for sharing that. I want to, I want to go back to something. Um, you know, you, you know, Scott said he was going to ask you an uncomfortable question. You were ready for it. you got the answer. But then <laughs> Scott didn't ask the right uncomfortable question. So what, <laughs> what was the uncomfortable question we should have asked and, and what's the answer? And, and First of all, I appreciate you just being like, yep, I'm ready for it. Like that, that's good stuff. Yeah. So for those who uh, of your audience uh, that do not know me or follow connected with me on LinkedIn, if you go to my profile on LinkedIn, the, I think it's the first line or second line of my bio. It says that uh, I am totally blind. You're totally and what? Say that again. I'm totally blind. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. I didn't know that either. Wow. Really? So, so how this is okay. Now let's go. This is great. Like, and, and uh, you know, were you blind at birth? Was there an accident? How did that occur? I have a, I was diagnosed when I was seven with a disease called retinitis pigmentosa. It is a hereditary disease that affects your retinas. And basically the way that I remember it was described to me is that the retinas, um, your eyes are a camera. The retina is a processor that sends everything to the brain and my retinas are detached from the brain. Wow. Wow. Thank you for being all, so all I'm able to, all I'm able to see is the difference between whether it's 
light and like it's got to be a piercing bright light or if it's dark so so what uh, this is i mean not great in a i mean it's tragic but, but clearly there's an internal motivation in martin right that's deeper than i think a lot of people have look we all have our shit right but a, a, a challenge like that is really challenging where do you think your ability to just rise up came or is it like well, richard that's all i had like that's just you know if i wanted to do something i had to do it it comes from what i mentioned earlier having a great support system in family mm-hmm. my parents my sisters um they they helped me navigate that challenge they helped me uh embrace it and there's two roads that you can go down you can be full of self-pity and poor me and blah 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 you know world owes me everything or you can embrace it think of it in a positive light and make the most of it and i chose be positive Uh, sales is a a great profession for, for somebody you know without their their eyesight right i mean it is you get to use your your brain and your personality and your words. Um, <clears throat> was that some of maybe the thought process of what led you to get into sales or, or were you just like, you know, selling candy and trading hockey and baseball cards when you're, <laughs> when you're a kid and just like a natural salesperson? No, not a natural salesperson. Um, because for a long time, I also had a severe speech problem. I couldn't, um, I couldn't speak for for a long time. So that was also a challenge that I had to overcome with with some great uh, speech therapy, therapy and, and pathologists and etc. But uh, what led me into sales was kind of um, just, I don't know if it was an accident, but. Uh, my dad said you should take business in, in college and uh, go through for human resources. And I'm like, eh, okay. So I did that, and that was that was too boring. <laughs> eh, okay, <laughs> you know? dad, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I did it. And throughout there, I was introduced to marketing and, and sales and et cetera. And uh, when I graduated, I uh, took a job. Uh, There's a, a job posted with a uh, startup uh, voice over IP company need somebody to book us meetings. So I did, I went, I applied and met with the people and uh, like, okay, here, here's a, a, what I know now to be a terrible script. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're like, just reach out to all these realtors in this area. Right. Okay. So I did that for a bit. It was straight commission, but I, I enjoyed the aspects of it. Right. Speaking with different people, asking questions and, and like Scott said, you get to use your brain and you're exposed to so many different aspects on each uh, interaction with the prospect. So that's what really drove me to pursue sales development. And were you, are you, you know, are you coin operated? Are you money motivated in the sense of like, 
yes, I like those things, but wow, I can actually get paid for my effort. Or is it, you know, this is intellectual for me too. And, you know, I, I'm at this game, like part of me thinks there's this game of like, I got I got I can do this better than other people because I don't have sight, right? I have to listen better because that's my biggest piece, right? Um, that's your asset. Do you, do you feel like, do you feel it's one or the other or both? I think I, I feel it's both. So money obviously motivates everybody to an extent. For me though, money's not the end, end goal. Uh, I want to get to a point where I'm comfortable, but for me, it's not okay. By the end of the year, I got to be at 3 million or else like that for me, that's not the goal for me. It's, um, you know, just to, to, I would like to build something that is special um, because I think there's that opportunity. And I believe that, like you mentioned, because I, I have the ability to listen better than, than most. Um, I think I have a, a unique personality. I think I, can I do the job better than some? Yeah. Am I better than everybody else? No. Do you, do you, when do your particular, for you, when do your clients know this about you? I mean, it's obviously it's right there on your LinkedIn profile, right? Mm -hmm. But does it come up in your pitch? Yep. It's as soon as we get on a call, it's about, you know, I, I let them know that I'm totally blind. Right. And what is their reaction? I would say 90 to 95% it's not an issue, but there's always that person that's difficult. Yeah. And do you, have you gotten to this point? And I'm asking because I think we all face rejection for lots of ways and we can take any kind of rejection very personally. Um, for me, it feels like yours could be even more personal because they're discounting your ability um, for no reason, right? Other than their own issues. How have you as a human, how has Martin been able to work through that and kind of go, yeah, that, you know, that sucks that someone says that, but I don't even have time to worry about that asshole. Yeah. So it, for a long, long time, it was a, an issue. And then at some point it just became, uh, I think it goes back to the, the self-confidence that I've built up in myself. I got, I don't, okay, whatever. I don't care. You know, you, did you, that's, that's, that's on you, not me. Did you at some point, cause I think, again, this is that part and it can translate to so many things, but once you started to recognize this pattern, which I'm assuming you've seen since you were a child, right? The people mm -hmm. just, you know, they're just sort of jerks about this kind of stuff. And it's probably just cause they're uncomfortable, but yep. did you have to change your pitch, right? Because maybe you needed to sort of go, okay, this is how I've been saying it. So let me try this instead and see if this helps people get past that. So I, when, when I'm pitching, like, so, so when I get on a discovery is when I let people know when I'm actually pitching to them. Like if, if I send them a, a message, cold message, it doesn't come up. Right. Cause it, it doesn't need to. Right. But if we get on a, if they're like, okay, yeah, I'd like to learn more, let's have a call. 
then when we schedule that, like when we jump on that discovery call, that's when I let them know, hey, you might hear my screen reader in the background and this is because I'm totally blind or I'm not looking at the camera because I'm totally blind. Like it, I just put it out there, right? And, you know, if, if someone's a little squirrely about it, then, you know, thanks for the call and uh, we go on our separate ways. Yeah, did you did you ever have to change it though? Did you ever kind of, maybe maybe you didn't, you, you sort of waited a little bit longer before you told them and you were like, oh, no, I'm yeah. just gonna get this out of the way. Yeah, yeah, so I, I used to wait until like almost the end. Now it's up front, so it's just just being that the completely transparent with people. And, and the reason I'm asking this is that I want people to walk away not with, I don't want people to, I don't, I don't think you want the sympathy card from people, right? No. I want, no, I, I don't want, I don't want or, or prefer sympathy. I just, uh, I'm very open about my blindness because that's it's who I am. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a huge sales lesson in the sense of like, okay, this isn't working. Maybe I need to adjust my pitch. Yep. Um, obviously the act of listening kicked in really, really kicks in really well, which you've had a lifetime of, you know, experience more so than everybody else. Yep. Um, and I want people to sort of walk away of like, Hey, sometimes you just need to address the objection right up front. Exactly. Right? Like get it out of the way. And, and because you bring it up first, you're in control of the conversation. Right. And you, and I, you know, thank you for sharing the story and, um, and, and bringing it out. But I want to make sure people understand this isn't about, you know, let's explore Martin's challenges in life. It's like, Hey, we all have challenges, but they all, they all resonate, right? They all sort of translate over and we can figure out ways to work through them because maybe with the exception of Scott and a few other people, I don't know many people who've had as a, a, a challenge quite like you and, and certainly not as, you know, Scott's challenge was certainly never as lifelong as, as yours, right? Um, but I know that Scott can relate to, you know, being discounted or, or, or not believed and those kinds of things. So appreciate that just out of curiosity um for those who are um thinking of hiring people or and they run across this you know you know are there places they could go and find more martins are there places where they're they should sit back and go you know what you know one there's some altruistic point of this or hey i never really thought to think that if i could find someone who might be challenged they might actually rise up higher which is all you know, that's the athlete, right? Like they keep saying you want these athletes, which is kind of good, but bullshit. Like how can we find more Martins? So in, in the U S I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure there's different organizations within each state that, that have the employers can partner with. Um, I'm, I'm just not familiar with them. Right. Here in Canada, we have the, CNIB, which is Canadian National Institute for the Blind. I know there's a, a U.S. version of that. I'm not sure what it's called. Um, I was just actually dealing or um, speaking with a, a company out of uh, Kansas, Wichita, called Envision, that uh, they employ blind people and they uh, provide various accessibility technology so making sure for example like uh, companies websites are accessible for all types of disabilities so an organization like that would be a good good starting point 
um, you know, any any of your local, I, I think any any state government organization should have access to to resources. But it, it goes back to your point, Richard, that people, whether they're blind, whether they have a physical disability, a mental disability, whatever the case might be, they're looking for an opportunity. So give them the opportunity. Vet them, I, I would think right? they, 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 want it, they want it more. They right? do. You know, they do. And, and they've got a they've got something to prove not to themselves but to like maybe it is to themselves i don't know but i, I totally got it and um and i appreciate it i did i just did a, a quick google search right so in the states it looks like there's a national federation of the blind which is nfb.org um and then um, they have a whole thing of programs and services and then it looks like there's the american foundation for the blind uh, which is the afb um, so I, I, I would encourage those who are listening to really consider this and, and see this as a, an amazing opportunity, one, for you to find a, you know, great people, and then also to help people achieve their own goals, right? Because I think, you know, you're not asking for any shortcuts. You're not asking for any kind of special treatment. You're just asking for a chance. Just right? asking for the, the, the same opportunity as uh, as the, you know, as the previous VPSLs that you gave 20 years ago. Right. No, I appreciate it. We got to, you know, we could go on for this forever, man. And, and um, I would love to, to do more around this, but, you know, unfortunately we got to wrap it up. And so Martin, um, thank you for sharing one, your tactics, right? I think that was really important and impressive, but also just going this vulnerable and being so direct and open about it and talking about how people can overcome their challenges. Right. And, and particularly a very significant one, because I think it's really important. So we really appreciate you, you sharing all this with us. I, I'm always happy to share my story. Um, as I said earlier, for a long time, I it was something I, I was self-conscious about and didn't embrace, but it's something that I, I do embrace now. And it's a part of who I am and I'm happy to, sh to share it. And it's uh, unique, right? So it's, it's, it's my story. Yeah, that's your superpower actually <laughs> it is yeah, it's great it's been great learning more about you martin and your business and what you've been through and overcome and uh really enjoy you spending some time with us and, and sharing your story and again we gotta gotta sort of go out with our with our sponsors of find them perception predict um gong and lead 411 so folks if you're looking for people you know these are the reasons they sponsor because they want to they want to support stories like this and support people across the board. So thank thanks to our sponsors and, and again, Martin, thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys having me. All right, brother. All right, bud. Talk to you soon. Cheers.